This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Sacramento, three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Imanowski on here, as we usually do. How's it going, Rich? It's going good, man. Um, we're still here, uh, stuck without basketball. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's not great. But, uh, yeah, how are you doing with that? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, finding ways to entertain myself. I'm doing profiles of random players and stuff and spent like last week looking at Montrez Harrell. So I don't know, finding ways to keep myself busy um, and being on spring break in regards to school and not having classes going on right now, even just online, uh, definitely has given me a lot of free time. And uh, over the last couple days, kind of what I've done with this free time and what we're going to share in this episode is we have some pre-hiatus we were gonna say sort of end of season but that's still up in the air potentially so we'll go with pre-hiatus report cards and today we did the centers and we're not going to include the guys that were previously on the team but just the ones that are currently here now and that's going to be Rashawn Holmes, uh, Harry Giles and Alex Len and Marvin Bagley probably technically qualifies as a center I think basketball reference has 88% of his minutes coming at the center position. Um, But we're going to put him in the power forward segment, uh, at least episode wise here, since Bielitsa is the only other true power forward still on the team. So that way there's two guys for that segment. So we're leaving Bagley out of the centers, but we're going with Holmes, Giles and Alex Len. And um, you think you forgot that Jabari Parker is on this roster in that power forward episode? <laughs> yeah, I uh, am not surprised that I forgot Jabari Parker's on this team. That's okay. totally fair. I did forget that one. Um, but we got grades for them. We got some strengths and weaknesses. And then this was from a very old episode of King's Pulse. It was like the ninth episode, and you did some digging to find this, Rich. But we had kind of done these player breakdowns before. and. Uh, one of the tools that we used was kind of there's a one-year player option or hypothetically this player has a one-year player option. What is the highest value that you would accept that option at to kind of get a 
uh, yearly monetary value if we were just talking next year? Yeah, um, I think it's kind of another way to like grade or rank the player, but it's a little more forward focused. So, you know, even if they had a down season, you can build in a little bit more of projecting their future and of their past resume before this season. So, yeah. Yeah, and do you want to start with the starting center or do you want to start with some of the lower level guys here? Do you have a preference? Let's start, let's start with the, the main man. All right. Obviously, we got uh, Rashawn Holmes here. 100% of his minutes at the center and has played a little over 1,100 minutes this season. And, I mean, the strength that, that pop out right away is obviously field goal percentage, was leading the league for a while there. Um, he's 65.4%. And then his rim protection as well. Um, opponents within six feet shoot 53.9%. And he's got a nice block percentage to him as well. Um, so mainly a rim rolling uh, rim protector. And I think those strengths of finishing and really guarding the rim have been the, the clear standouts for Holmes, right? Yeah. I went back and listened to the episode we did from the end of last season. And it was pretty grim because we were coming off of, uh, I mean, we were really focused on, Willie Cauley-Stein was the main center on the team. And we talked a lot about, you know, the two things that we wanted the most from a center being finishing at the rim at a really high rate and protecting the rim on the, on the defensive end. And we were both, we definitely found Willie Cauley-Stein wanting in those areas. And it feels like Rashawn Holmes, I mean, yeah, it's his bread and butter. That's the bread and butter of, the center position, you obviously want more as well. You want someone that can stretch the floor a little bit in this modern era. But if you're really good at those two things, you can be a starting center and you can be a good starting center. Yeah, and I mean, another two differences is energy level. Obviously, Willie Cauley-Stein uh, fluctuated with his energy levels and Rashawn Holmes is just have a never-ending pool that he seems to be able to pull from. And then free throw percentage, Willie always really struggled at that one. And Rashawn Holmes, 79.6% free throws, I think is, is a really good number for a guy that's not really spacing the floor or anything like that. And you don't quite expect to have a nice free throw, but right around 80%, I, I mean, I think is, is really important for Holmes in being able to stay on the floor during crucial situations. Yeah, that's actually super underrated. I'm glad you pointed that out because I I think that doesn't get enough praise. It, 80% from free throw line or about that is really nice. Um, I'm just looking to put it in the context of the team here. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, okay, all right, Deadman was like sneakily actually hit his free throws, but he barely took any. And Bagley sneakily hit a lot of his free throws this season as well. But uh, let me just move back to last season because we saw some issues there, especially among the big men. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein, you know, shot 55%. Uh, Scal shot even lower than that, 54%. Kufos, 41%. Um, you know, that was an issue. And Giles and Bagley uh, weren't elite either in the 60s. so. To see that from 
you know, Rashawn Holmes. I mean, that it makes you feel good that he's your guy going forward. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, you can feel comfortable with him out there. Obviously, he's got that little push shot that is sort of become a staple of his game. Uh, Doug Christie's always got that. It says the patent's pending on it. And he's got 51 attempts this year at 60.8%. That's third of all centers with at least 30 attempts behind Valanchunas and Steven Adams. Uh, that's become pretty reliable for him. And then, I mean, if I got to pick some weaknesses, obviously just not having any range to his game and not separating or uh, stretching out the defense. Um, but that's just not the type of player he is. I still think, I mean, you can knock him a little bit for it, I guess. It technically is a weakness. And then one of the main one that stands out is the amount of fouling. It's 4.9 fouls per 36 for Holmes. Yet he's only fouled out once all year, but 15 times he's had four personal fouls at least. Um, so, I, I mean, there's definitely moments where he's got to calm down and reel himself back in a little bit because he gets in early foul trouble. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's sometimes when he's put next to like Harry Giles, you don't really think about Sean Holmes's foul issues so much, but yeah. And like you said, he, did, I, he didn't foul out really, but that can be an issue. I, I don't know. I don't really have a problem with it. I think he sometimes catches a lot of guys, um, because the perimeter defense for this team can be a little weak at times. He kind of gets stuck with some tough spots there where he, he might have to go a little harder or stop guys that, uh, you know, put himself in a bad – he gets put in a bad position to he's, – he's defending a lot of shots back there. Yeah, and really, I mean, it's just me kind of nitpicking his game. And I accidentally said 15 times of four fouls. I meant 15 times he has gotten five fouls this year, but only fouled out once. Um, and then, I mean, if I had to pick something else, I, could, I would say he could be – he's a – pretty somewhat poor passer um he doesn't try it very often but if he could maybe make a play in like a short roll a little more often but that's not really asked of him too much again it's just me kind of nitpicking the role that you have him in of just this rim running um putbacks and protecting the rim i mean holmes does that great and fits that role perfectly was that foul number per 36 minutes or per game that is um, 4.9 fouls per 36, but throughout this season, he only fouled out one time, and there were 15 games this season where he had five fouls. Gotcha. I'm just looking at the team's numbers on that the previous year. Um, obviously, Harry Giles really high, Scalic yeah. stay really high, but yeah, it was not too far off. I mean, it's the exact number that Kufos had. Um, a little bit higher than Beely. It's a little bit higher than Willie, but Willie, you know, he just gets out of the way anyway. So, right. Um, but yeah, um, not an amazing passer to be sure, but again, like that's just not his role. I mean, his role is really just a, a pretty traditional center. I, I feel like a lot of it, you know, this is coming fresh off that listening to that old podcast, but it was a lot of what you were hoping that Willie could be you kind of mentioned like a Clint Capella type uh, if Willie had really maximized his potential. And I feel like Holmes is kind of a Clint Capella type. Um, yeah. Montrez, like another guy you've been studying looking at Montrez this week. Do you see a lot of similarities to, to Holmes? I do. Aside from Montrez has a little bit more ISO to his game. Um, he's got more of a dribble to him. And then, but Holmes makes up for it by being a lot better rim protector. Yeah. Um, so 
And, and, okay, so that can kind of lead us to this one-year player option um, because if you look at Clint Capella that you kind of mentioned that I think is comparable, Clint Capella just got himself a nice little bit of money. He got $18 million a year. Um, you know, DeMontis Sabonis is $18 million a year you're looking at here. You could point to Miles Turner, $20 million, and these guys are like, I mean, that's a pretty high tier. Um, do you say that Holmes is below those guys? Not not necessarily their money, but their that level of player. I would put him just below a Clint Capella, but in that same kind of tier. Um, and maybe he, I mean, he could even be better in some ways, but you've seen it from Clint Capella for a minute now. Yeah. So I'd say... You know, this was a breakout year for Holmes, obviously. Um, I, I don't know if you – I don't want us to do spoilers on the grade here, but, I mean, it's so obviously an A. Yeah. Um, so, I guess you kind of maybe want to see it for a little longer before you lock in, like, a four-years AD type deal for Clint Capella. And I think another issue fighting against him is that the replacement level of centers is just going up and up and up and up. Um, I don't know yeah. that any center like really deserves a huge contract unless you're super dynamic like uh, uh, Jokic or uh, um, you know you've got a, a an incredible like shooting or passing skill that makes you more than a traditional center. Right. Yeah. Like Embiid, Jokic, um, Gobert, Cat kind of all have that that extreme top tier, and and you know Gobert and Cat are a little bit below Embiid and Jokic, but. Rashawn Holmes yeah. obviously isn't in there. Even Gobert, I don't think that I would max Gobert, honestly. Yeah, I see the argument there because of his limitations. And like you're saying, I mean, the replaceability of these centers. Um, so, I mean, but also there's like a 8 million Thomas Bryant. I think he's definitely worth more than a Thomas Bryant at the same time. I mean, that was like Washington really needing um, to keep some of their guys, but 5 million Baines and Cantor. I mean, I think he's definitely above that. Um, so that 5 million, that's like what, I mean, that's what he was got at. And I, I mean, it feels yeah. like that 5 million range, you can kind of go out there and get something like it's not guaranteed to be a super high quality player, but you can take a swing on a guy like Sean Holmes and you can actually get something for that. Right. Right. Um, so if we're talking pretty, pretty much what this comes down to, what would you pay for just next year for your starting center? Um, and, and I mean, being Rashawn Holmes, obviously. And I think, I mean, for a while there, we had him as the MVP of the team, really. I mean, is it crazy to say 15 million? No, that's the number that I actually had here as well. I yeah. even thought about like 17.5 if it was truly a one-year option. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's the kind of impact that he's had. And you're going to see these next two guys. I mean, Len is a super small sample size, but like you're falling off a lot in regards to specifically your rim protection when you're going from like Holmes to Giles. And he just felt like such a crucial piece of this team. And we're talking about the replaceability. I mean, Sacramento itself did not have many replacements for Holmes. Yeah. And then what would you do? I feel like we got onto this conversation in, in all those episodes and it's kind of hard not to when you start with the contract stuff, but say that you could offer him a more full contract. Um, 
like, you know, going forward, how many years would you offer? Mm. What price would you offer? Um, it's kind of tough, right? But he is 26 right now. Uh, would you put a four-year offer on the table? Um, I wouldn't. Hmm. A four-year offer? I mean, probably. The first offer that came to mind is kind of that Deadman deal. I, I think the three-year 40, uh, I could definitely, I mean, I, I would definitely be willing to do that with Holmes. Um, but at the same time, you know, you could say I was definitely, I was 100% on board doing that with Deadman, and you see how that turned out, um, which I think it's somewhat different scenarios, but I would probably offer a four-year, but at the 15 million mark is too much, I think. Um, like if we could talk four-year 50, which, yeah. I mean, does he accept that? Like, like we said, I mean, the market's kind of weird for these centers. It is weird, and it's going to get weirder with the amount of money lost from this postponement. So, I, like, I don't know what the contract – I don't know how the salary cap will be affected by that. I imagine not, you know, not positively. So, it's going to get weirder, but trying to keep the same general general thoughts on the cap going forward. Yeah, I mean, I even, even 450 feels like a lot um, because, again – like I really love Rashawn Holmes. I love his game. I think he probably had the best year relative to the expectations of anyone in this team. He's honestly, I mean, where would you even put him? I'll say that. I'll say that for the next conversation. But I mean, he he played incredibly, and he's a very good player. He's a very important part of this team going forward. I think that's just kind of where we're at. I think that pretty much all Kings fans want to see him starting. Um, at center whenever this season resumes and whenever next season starts. So I don't know though. I don't know that I can go like four years, 50, just because of like we're saying, you know, he doesn't have these extra skills. He probably won't age super well. If he starts to lose a little, little bit of that burst and athleticism, he doesn't have the shooting to fall back on. I don't know, maybe 440 if I had to go four years or yeah. I like you. I really liked the idea of a three forty. I think that's. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, I mean, because these breakout guys. I mean, it's not all too uncommon for them to be a center. You know, Holmes this year. You look at Christian Wood. I think Aaron Baines kind of just fitting that role. Um, there's guys that are able to do that that are replacements, and you don't quite like expect an outbreak. But I mean, there's guys that if you just get them in the right. Uh, situation that they're going to do plenty for you there. So, I, I mean, you can't be hoisting out a big bag or anything for, for this position, really, unless he's a major game changer, like we said. But I'm good on settling for the, the player option, uh, $15 million if we were talking one year, and an A for Holmes. Yeah, and where would you put him if you were ranking the best players in this team? Oh, on this team? Interesting. Okay. You can um, make an argument for pretty high up there yeah i mean like just this year from what he's played this year or like next season like if you had to like gun to your head you know who are the best basketball players in the sacramento kings in this moment i mean like i think you could honestly argue number two but it you know yeah that's, that's no i think you could yeah for sure you could definitely argue that i'd probably that's probably where i'd have him right now I think it might be 
it's tough because Buddy's had such an awful year. Yeah. And you like, could, if you yeah. if you want to consider positions, I mean, Barnes would be more valuable. I think Barnes and Bogey were the guys that I was thinking you could you could put Holmes fourth, even fifth, still behind Buddy if you mm-hmm. if you try to put it in context and and look at what Buddy did last year. But right, yeah, I mean, top five, that's like really good. I mean, no one's going to argue that Marvin Bagley is better right now. No. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you just look at like Montrez Harrell signed a two-year six, a two-year twelve million dollar deal, six million annually, and this is a before he blew up, obviously. But it's kind of the pair, player we've somewhat compared him to. Um, who I, I don't know what Montrez is going to get. Montrez is going to get paid this offseason. He's probably actually going to get fifteen million annually. Um, but yeah, I, I'm good with settling with the 15 million a and like you said i mean you really can make the argument that he's the second best player on this team but it also could go a lot further and then when you're looking at these next centers um which will go to harry giles here next who has also played a majority of his minutes at the center position this year he's got 99 percent according to basketball reference of his close to 580 total minutes and I mean, it's just a little bit more of kind of, I don't know if growing pains is the right way to say it with Giles, but he's still obviously a young player that has some flaws and then moments of you see flashes of what he could potentially be. And he was injured a little bit this year. Yeah, it's weird how similar his years were. Um, His two years this year and last year, seven points per game exactly in both. 2.6 2.6 fouls per game, exactly. 0.4 blocks, exactly. Um, you know, just marginal difference in the rebounding assist numbers. Uh, cut the turnovers down, which is nice. But uh, And the field goal percentage went way up as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, you would like to see more growth, but that's kind of like what happens when you get a team that isn't really going to give him the opportunity to grow. Um, right. I don't know. I this is a really really hard one because, you know, it's so tough. I mean, he's he is the fan favorite in Sacramento still. Everyone loves this man. Um we love this man, but it's like the organization just doesn't it feels like. Yeah, I mean, lack of playing time is the the clear way to see that and I mean, so the strengths obviously is is the passing. Um, we all know that with Giles with a 12.6 assist percentage. And the team assist percentage is the second highest with Giles on compared to anyone else aside from Bazemore. And Bazemore's got a little bit of limited minutes there. Um, and, I mean, that's the main strength for Harry is that you can run an offense through him. And he's going to give you, a again, another guy that just has an endless amount of effort. An energy that really is contagious among the team. Yeah. He had such a nice run too. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of forced on him um, with some injury stuff and uh, Holmes was out and obviously Deadman was out for a while then and also got traded, but he was on a tear, man, um, especially towards the end of the year, the last week of February and the first couple of days of March, which really, 
we're talking about only a month ago, which is still hard to reconcile in my mind. But, yeah, I mean, he was on a tear. He had six straight games with at least 12 points, um, including a 14-12 and 12 game. That was yeah. I mean, on the road against the Clippers. He put up a double-double. That was really nice. Uh, he was playing big minutes there, too, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a night in that stretch. He looked really good. He looked really good. Um, he shot – 60% over that stretch, almost 15 points a game, eight rebounds. It felt like a bit of a breakout. Um, but then, you know, I will say Alex Len came onto the scene as well and was a surprise. And, you know, I know that you wrote about how Len should be getting his minutes. Where did, did that feeling come from? And was that, you know, a hard decision to make? Or is that, how do you feel about that going forward? Yeah, it was mainly looking at rim protection and like what do what did I value most from a center and the fact that Harry Giles is really one of the worst rim protectors in the league. I, I mean, his plus minus that with Giles on the floor, the Kings plus minus defensive rating and net rating is all the second worst. Um, and all of those are behind Bagley, by the way. Um, so it was just how bad he was making the defense, even though the offense was great. I didn't think his defense was making up for it enough. And the nine games of Alex Len, which of course, nine games emphasis on that small sample size, he was a rim protecting monster. So I, that was what had really stood out to me, but Omer came on the show and kind of debated it with me and just simply pointing out, which I completely looked over the fact that Giles would be going against second units offenses that they wouldn't take as much advantage of his defensive shortcomings as a lot of the starters were since he was getting starter minutes for a while there. So I came around to seeing Harry kind of be the second center, but when he is really struggling there or there's a clear emphasis on attacking him, that it's nice to have Len as that third option. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE in all caps. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Can you, while I talk a little bit about Harry, can you try to look up his most common lineups? Because I, I feel like he kind of got screwed with this playing time. Like he, in the first half of the year, he was kind of just getting garbage time. So um, his, the lineup with the most possessions for cleaning the glass is De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, Bielitsa, and Harry Giles. Interesting. How did he do with that group? Um, they did terrible, actually. Really? <laughs> it's a okay. minus 20 point differential. Uh, defenses shot 67 effective field goal percentage um, while they were at 56 themselves. 
Um, they didn't turn the ball over, I guess, but yeah, pretty much everything else is terrible. Okay. And what about like the second most common? Second most common, which, which has a fourth, a third of the amount is De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Bielitsa, and Giles. So this is just Buddy instead of Bogey. And they got blown up. And that one did better. Um, yeah, the defense is a lot better on this one. Which so weird with right with healed instead of bogey. Yeah, that that's definitely weird. Um, but yeah, the the defense is kind of where this one makes up for it a little bit. And then after I mean, that, I mean, yeah, I mean Fox yeah. again, bogey, Bays, Barnes, Giles. Um, and then you kind of see like this bench lineup of Joseph Healed, Baysmore. Um, I mean, now you're getting down to Tolliver's in this lineup with Giles. And like, what's the most common? Like, how many minutes were played? Maybe like eighty minutes. Like, I would imagine like it's not a big sample size for. No, games. it's not. Yeah, Clean I mean, Glass has possessions, and the top yeah. one has roughly three hundred possessions. After that, ninety-four, and then it's about fifty possessions for a few of them here. Twenty. So yeah, I mean, he didn't play yeah. many minutes throughout the whole year. So it's interesting. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he really didn't play many minutes. He played five hundred minutes. Uh, I like that's. It's just not much, you know. I yeah. It's just not much, um, and I wonder, like, what my kind of rationalization was going to be was probably that he got stuck with a lot of garbage time, and I think that is still true. Um, even if he played like that stretch, that that must have been those stretches when he was kind of with the starter unit late on. But um, yeah, I mean, just for reference, with like the minutes played, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of second round picks this year that played a lot more minutes. Um, Daniel Gafford played more minutes than him this year, you know, Bruno Bruno Fernando. So like it's all over the place with him. Um, And I would also say that I would go back to my kind of argument that I had on this version of the podcast from last season, which is that, Hey, maybe don't always play Giles at center. Like I really think that he's more of a four. Yeah, which I, I see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, I mean, defensively, I think it would be better for him in kind of a secondary rim protector role and out on the perimeter a little bit more. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, I know you're also saying this partially because you're a believer in his jump shot, right? I am. Yeah, I still am. Yeah, which I, I don't blame you. I mean, I, I see the promise there. I definitely... I'm not as high on it as you, but I want to see them try it. I mean, it's a young guy and you got to kind of experiment a little bit here. And since he has such a unique skill set, I definitely want to see it attempted there compared to, you know, basketball reference again, 99% of his minutes at center this year. I just think he's going to be like the eighth or ninth guy on a decent team and play 15 minutes of stretch four somewhere with a good team, with a good coach that believes in him. Yeah, I I could see that as a possibility. Um, and the, yeah, like a ninth guy, that makes sense to me. And then grade-wise, this is, our, again, our grades, I mean, Holmes is getting an A no matter what. Grades, is this is relative to our expectations going in? It's hard to, you know. I mean, you can't really grade like Harry Giles and Darren Fox with the same measuring tape. It's kind of hard to do that. Yeah, I guess it would have to be relative to expectation. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if we're saying C is average, 
um, that's what I'm going with here. I mean, I think this is kind of about what we expected from Harry. Yeah, I have to agree just because, I don't know, I mean, it partially I want to give an incomplete because I don't feel like he really got the chance that he deserves. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, a C is fine. I mean, it's whatever I thought he was going to do with 500 minutes. Yeah, like that's a, that's about what I thought. Right. And then if we're talking this one-year player option, um, what is the most it could be that you would accept? And this is, I mean, we're not talking about like getting the opportunity to keep him long-term with this, right? It's just what would his value be for one year, just next season, right? Yeah, so like if if you had a team option of blank and you knew that if you didn't pick it up, he was going elsewhere, what is the highest team option you would pick up? Yeah. Um, I mean, this one gets, this one gets a little weird, you know, because I mean, so it's clearly way below that Holmes number of 15, but how low are you really comfortable with going? Um, because I mean, so next year they can offer that max of that 3.9. And honestly, I mean, like for the value that he's giving you on floor, I think he gives you about $4 million of value. But if we're talking about also considering you'd want to keep him longer, then I would boost it up to say like I'd pay him eight million next year, maybe, and that's kind of feels high. But again, it's just considering that you want the opportunity to keep him around longer. Yeah, um, I think like gun to my head, I would yeah maybe seven and a half, like half of what Holmes is, and that's. To also built in with the fact that he's you know 21 years old and that right. he there's the potential that he can grow and you should build that in you should assume that there's potential for him to grow you did spend a first round pick on him you know it, it's it, this is all made more complicated by the fact that the team did decline uh you know a four million dollar option so that's tough but i think it's unquestionable that you would take over a $4 million option. Like, so put him in that group that we kind of discussed with, uh, was it, was it Tice and Cantor that you threw out there? And yeah, I mean, Holmes, Thomas Bryant's 8 million. Think about the $5 million contract that went out there to Rashawn Holmes last year. I don't really see why this isn't comparable. That's Um, true. I know that Holmes had a, maybe a slightly better resume, but he also was a lot older. And had been around a lot longer. Yeah. So I don't know. I just can't imagine that a team doesn't offer him, you know, that same type of exception level contract uh, where you can just, you know, maybe, you know, um, the room mid level, you know, it's going to be essentially four point something or five point something, like maybe five and a half million. Right. Yeah. I don't see I, why a team wouldn't do that. That's a totally fair point. I see the same thing there. Um, yeah, there's just, I mean, part of it is as much as I like Harry, I mean, right now there's 10 guys, 10 teams in the league that have backup centers that are guys on rookie deals that do just fine for themselves, you know? So as much as I like Harry and he is unique, I mean, there is a point where you're just like, all right, yeah, we can get a replacement backup center um, and it'd be way cheaper than this. So, I mean, the most I'm willing to play is probably – yeah, like an eight million. You know, Maxi Kleba is Dallas backup center, makes eight million, and he's 
a really well-rounded player. I think that he's fairly underrated, but eight million is like probably the most you'd really feel good about for your backup big. Yeah, um, I mean, who are like the worst teams with the most space right now? Is it like Cleveland? Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta, New York, Detroit, Charlotte. I mean, I see New York just literally for the sake of, you know, you see this guy's a fan favorite and you yep. need something to get people's asses in seats. Um, and he would just embrace the hell out of New York. Detroit yep. has nothing going on for them. They could just use any young talent. Um, and Charlotte, I mean, desperately needs bigs. I think all three of those would throw $5 million at Harry. I think they could even throw higher than that if they wanted to be, if they thought that there are teams out there that were going to offer that, like five, five and a half million. Uh, I could see them trying to beat that on a one year deal and give them, yeah. you know, like what New York did last year where they were just handing out contracts to anybody just over the mid level. 15 million to Bobby Portis. Yeah. Like they were giving out, like, yeah, you could go get like a two year, $10 million total deal from that team or, we can give you a one-year $10 million deal with, you know, um, we can put a team option on that second year or right. just do like a one-year deal um, and then we have your – we can figure something out with your bird rights so that if you do break out, we could go higher. I don't know. Um, what was the – I'm trying to think of some of the weird deals that – New York throughout there. I'm going to look a couple. They had a Taj Gibson for 9 million. Um, The Julius Randall one was a decent amount. They had like a two year to Reggie Bullock go on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Obviously uh, the Marcus Morris is pretty much exactly what you said with the, I'll just give you what they were going to give you over two years in one. Yeah. Like that's, uh, or that was, yeah, I, like that, and then they were actually able to like trade him for something. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's I don't see why that's an issue. I kind of like that deal. I think it was the Morris one that I was thinking. Was that like ten million or something? I think they ended up with one year fifteen. Okay. Um, I believe that's what that money is. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that I don't know. So how do you feel about putting the number for eight million on Giles for that? player option yeah it's fine um i think it might be even a little high but um yeah yeah i mean i think the point here is that it should have been higher than four but right yeah yeah that marcus morris one is 15 just verified um yeah i think that's that's totally that's a doable number and then i think the number is going to get really interesting for this next one here with alex len and i mean i just pulled some numbers just kind of from this nine games that he played. Um, But his rim protection was just absolutely ridiculous. And actually throughout all of the games that he's played this year, within six feet opponents shot 49.2%. And when we said Holmes was great, Holmes was about 54%. Um, So even better than Holmes there. And opponents shot 21.4% worse at the rim with Len on the floor um, for Sacramento and 12.9 worse effective field goal percentage with Len on the floor. Um, I think he got some sort of some favorable matchups and was obviously 
just playing extremely well. And there was a good Chris Kirshner piece that came out recently who we talked to not long ago that had an interview with Alex Len talking about the difference that he felt going over to Sacramento when everybody was trying to win and he felt like he had a role. So it seemed like that went well for him. But I mean, he performed phenomenally. It was just really just the rim protection and the team got 10.3% increase on their offensive rebounding percentage with Len on the floor compared to off. Um, so, I mean, really it was rim protection and rebounding, and that's main, uh, some of the most important value out of a center. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I can't, like, get on board, really. I, I, he played great yeah. in the nine games where he averaged – 16 minutes yeah. game. And the offense was worse with him out there, to be fair. Like, it's great. Like, he, he really did. Like, he honestly deserves an A for those nine games, but you've got to put just such a heavy asterisk on that right. on that game total. It's just so little, you know? And he's such a replaceable player. He is inc- incredibly replaceable. Like, he's kind of what you – he's like the perfect minimum big man. Yeah. Like yeah. you couldn't that's what you want. Like when you spend the veteran minimum to get a, a center just off the free agent heap, like he delivers the that's the perfect version of that. He gives right. the effort, he's got the big body, he does what a center has to do. He doesn't try to do more. He doesn't try to be Christoph's Przingis and like start hitting threes. He is your replacement level center. And he did it perfectly for nine games. I don't know if he would have done it perfectly for another nine or another, you know, another year or whatever. But yeah, I mean, he crushed it. He crushed it. But like, I just can't buy it considering that he also, so he played 150 minutes with the Kings and he's played 9,000 minutes in the NBA. And like none of those other minutes have looked anywhere near as good. Right. And if they did like a little bit in Atlanta, it was almost for different reasons where he started shooting the three ball and he didn't throw that up at all in Sacramento. Um, and I think this is where the money starts to get interesting because really you're just saying, what is the replaceable center value here? And I, I did kind of go through and pull what the backup center money is for each team in the league. And I mean, there's eight really outlier deals that really, you know, people got overpaid or they brought someone on and it moved their starting center into the backup. But Deadman in Atlanta, um, which is obviously funny there. Biombo, Tristan Thompson, since he got moved behind uh, Andre Drummond. There's Mason Plumley in Denver. These are all upwards of $12 million. You know, Olenek, Nurkic, Gasol, Mahimi. Um, so I, I those are kind of not really what you're normally thinking of when you're thinking of standard backup center. And then, I mean, I also did not include these rookie deals that I had mentioned also. So if you're looking at kind of 12 guys, I feel like that fall in this average range of what you would see as like a prototypical backup center. And they're making roughly, or an average of those 12 is $4 million a year. Um, But even then I'd probably pay less for Len. You know, I'd probably go a little under, you know, 3 million, like Nerland's Noel, 1.6 million. I, I think that's going to do just as much for you as Alex Len. You know, I think yeah. that, I mean, Aaron Baines for 5 million, I think Baines is a good amount better than Len. Um, I mean, maybe not 
at least enough. Five is still probably a little much for Baines, but you look at 1.6 million for Dwight Howard on the Lakers. You know, these guys are having similar impact to Len, I think. It's tough because that that jump from minimum to like the five million range is not much. It's just kind of Yeah. Do you like Ennis Cantor for five million? I don't like that one. Like are they, are they your favorite of the group that's available? Um because you can make a move on those guys early or you can wait until free agent season kind of dries up. Right. And, you know, if you're okay with taking whoever is left, then you're, you know, that's fine. But yeah. Or are you like a competing, are you competing for a championship and you know, you've only got minimums and this guy is willing like a Dwight Howard type who, you know, maybe he could have gotten 5 million from some team. Maybe. Yeah. Um, or you yeah. just, get a third string center in the draft. You know, I mean, you get a Thon Maker, a Daniel Gafford, a Nas Reed, Tony Bradley. Like, I mean, you know, these aren't super notable names, but they could play center in spotty minutes when you need them to. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. I mean, he's probably better than those guys just because I don't know. I mean, like a, a real rookie second round pick, like type of thing. Yeah. That dude can't play playoff minutes, but yeah. Right. Yeah, he's definitely not giving you playoff minutes. I don't know how much Len would give you playoff minutes either, though. You know. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. Maybe he could be like a little bit of an innings eater and kind of be your third string guy. And then if yeah. you know, in case of injury, break glass, and he could he could do okay. Yeah. I um, think this I is know. a minimum guy. Yeah, it's tough because. Yeah, I mean he. If he played like that, those nine games, if he played like that across the full season, then then we are talking about that $5 million range. But Right. Or he just goes into Vlade's office and it's like, listen, I love Sacramento. And that's a couple extra million right there. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's tough. Um I guess I guess it is a minimum guy, yeah. He just he's done it so well that you he, he almost earns his way out of it, but you got to see more than nine games. Right. I mean, you know, when you come to this offseason and you do have Dwight Howard, Nerlens Noel available, uh, Biombo, Plumley. I mean, these are like somewhat comparable. You know, you wouldn't be left out dry if you got one of these guys instead, like a Taj Gibson. I mean, I definitely would slightly prefer Len over most of these guys, but you know, Robin Lopez is comparable for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that I'm definitely not upset if Len ends up walking away. And I mean, it definitely could be happening. But yeah, there's not there, going to be a battle for Alex Len or anything, but. No, but is there any other guy out there that you think that you'd prefer over Len that's like reasonably going to be a minimum backup center? Um. Kind of just looking through this list in front of me here. Not just thinking of like, would you prefer to stay with the minimum center you've got? Probably. Um, yeah, assuming that he obviously is like fine in the locker room and what the other guys are telling you and all that. Um, yeah, I think so. But it's mainly just because he's been here. You know, like if right. say, you know, they had traded for Nerlens Noel in the middle of the year, I'd probably prefer Nerlens Noel over Alex Lynn. So this is his seventh year in the league. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Um, 
So his minimum is, a, you know, about $2 million next year. Mm-hmm. Would you pay him two point five rather than go out into the uncertainty of just, I'm sure. going to end up with a center, but I don't know who it's going to be, and it could be, you know, whoever. Sure. I can give him like a two-year, $5 million contract. Okay. Let's do. Let's do. I. I like to make things. I'm a. I'm big into round numbers, and even it's even though it's not round, it feels more round. Like it's a fraction of, like Holmes yeah. is 15. You can do Giles 7.5, and Len 2.5. That sounds good to me. And then uh, grade wise, yeah. I mean, I guess if we're going off Len's expectations and just the nine game sample, we'll go A there, A for Holmes. We said C for Giles, just because that's what we're going with with kind of uh, met expectations and literally just kind of stayed around there. Yeah. Len, I guess is like an, like kind of an A, but like also kind of an incomplete. I just don't know how to grade a guy on. Yeah. An A with a asterisk. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fair. Um, and I mean, main thing, yeah, they got homes around next year for a great value contract and hopefully can bring them back for long-term after that without getting stuck with, you know, looking like this, Ian Mahimi, Biombo contracts, which are both extremes, but you know, Biombo 17 million and then just completely becomes nothing. You don't quite expect Holmes to do that, but it's definitely, you don't want to be stuck in that situation for sure. Um, and then Harry Giles, I mean, I think you and I are both under the belief that he's probably going to be on a different team next year because he'll get offered a little more than that, just under uh, 4 million that Sacramento can offer. And Alex Len, if you want to come back for minimum a little bit above, then I'm happy with it. Yeah, um, I think that does it for us. But I want to wrap up with one thought on our way out here. You know, two of these guys we just said, you just said, you know, free agents maybe not returning. Is there a possibility the Kings just like roll in next season with just Rashawn Holmes at center? Maybe Eric Mika on a two-way? Um, I think there is a decent chance, yeah. Um, if they happen to like one of these free agent big names better than uh, better than Alex Len, then maybe. I mean, we mentioned like Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines would be a interesting fit, sort of the same uh, fit as Deadman would have been alongside Bagley. I mean, you could kind of make that argument. So maybe they go a different direction, but I wouldn't. If I had to guess, I mean maybe I would probably say Len stays around. Giles doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you probably need one of them. Yeah. Just for depth. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's about where I'm at with this. And what did we, do you remember what we valued Willie at in that uh, one last year? We did 7.5. 7.5. Okay. And now he's sitting on a $2.3 million player option. Yep. It's crazy. Life comes at you fast. We were pretty, <laughs> we, were, we were like pretty kind to him. Um, and then we, <laughs> were and then, we? We literally were like, yeah, I can't wait till he's on a different team next no, year. No, you're right. That's true. But I think that the number, <laughs> the money we settled on, and that was like a hot take at the time. People thought he was going to get like 15, yeah. 20 million somewhere. He definitely did. He definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> But um, that's going to do it, I think, man, right? You got anything else to throw in here? That's it, man. Um, I miss you, Kosakufos.
There you go. Yeah, uh, miss the Kraken. And actually, I forgot, we have a 916th man that we are going to go to at the very end of this episode. So enjoy listening to that, guys. All right, and we got another edition of the 916th man here. Today we have Ray, or tw- the Twitter handle is at LLCoolRay14. What's going on, Ray? How you doing, man? Hey, Brandon. I'm, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming on and taking the time, man. And the way I like to start these off when we have people on here is I'm just curious how you became a Kings fan in the first place. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Sacramento. So I've literally been a fan my entire life. Uh, growing up as a little kid, my dad had season tickets up from, um, you know, the early 90s before I was born. Um, I think he actually went to some games in the original Arco and then had uh, season tickets through the glory years and then kind of let them go when uh, the Maloof started going full Maloof and trying to relocate and everything. But um, yeah, I've been a fan ever, ever since uh, ever since birth, really. So. Okay, yeah, seems obviously that's the most common answer is kind of just grew up in the area okay. and born into a family that was like it. And uh, then in regards to this year, whether it be over or there's still more to play, whatever ends up happening with this whole hiatus situation. How did you feel about the way that this season had gone? I know it was pretty up and down, but overall, um, what sort of feelings did you have watching this team this year? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I I feel like not many people are crazy enough to um, become a Kings fan if it's not from birth. Um, Not many reasons to do that. But anyways, about this season, um, I was... I had high hopes coming into the season. I wasn't a huge fan of, of the Luke Walton hire. Um, granted, I didn't know who the perfect coaching candidate was. I really liked Jaeger. Um, so then when we came out of the gate and just immediately went downhill, um, I was not happy being a season ticket holder myself. Um, I quickly went from pissed off to apathetic and just like, screw it. It's just another lost year in the last 15 years of lost years. Um, so it really sucks that, you know, once they started to figure it out and turn things around and everything, uh, everything kind of happened and lost the rest of the season. Um, now do I think they were going to make the playoffs or anything? No, I don't really believe we were going to end up in there, but, um, just would have been nice to end it on a, on a good note at least and have some hope for the future. But course not we're not allowed that right 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 yeah i think uh apathy is a very familiar feeling with a lot of kings fans that have been uh sticking with the team for a while like you're saying a season ticket holder and witnessing it all i'm sure i get that but did you have sort of like a a, at least a good taste in your mouth sort of at the end there when the team was streaking seemed like to be i mean i don't know how realistic the eight seed was but they really were pushing for it yeah yeah i good question i mean i don't think i ever let myself believe that we were actually good like it just always felt like it was going to come crashing down at any moment you know um but i think that's the the big time pessimist in me um so kind of yes and kind of no um i would have loved to see them continue making that push and at least really stay in the fight for the eighth seed the entire year that would have at least um at least made me happy i mean Realistically, the Western Conference is insane. Um, so making the playoffs would have been a tall, ta- tall task, even if we came out the gate hot. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm 
happy that we turned it around. It's better than just sucking the entire year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an improvement on that. And I guess it's a somewhat low bar, but it was improved yeah. compared to that start. Um, and in regards to the roster that's going on right now, do you have a, like a favorite player, whether it be, you know, just enjoyment or their style, whatever it is? Do you have a favorite on the current roster? Yeah, I mean, so what's funny is before the season, I think I would have said Buddy Heald. Um, I've always loved three-point shooters. Um, I mean, Pedro used to be my favorite player. Um, but now it's, it's I don't know, he's, he's kind of rubbed me the wrong way this year with a lot of the things he said. And then um, his shooting, you know, obviously fell off a cliff and it seemed like even his decision-making got worse. Um, I, I think the easiest answer is Aaron Fox, but I obviously really, really love Harry Giles and Rashawn Holmes and what they bring on and off the court. Um, so I'll probably just say Rashawn Holmes' family. Let's, let's go with them. They're a lot of fun. Well, yeah, uh, definitely <laughs> glad to have Rashawn on the team. And I totally get the falling out of buddy thing a little bit. I mean, for me, all the talking that went on to the media with the contract and then saying that he wants to start and all this became a little bit much for me. Um, and yeah, you just so weird. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was definitely a lot, especially to be saying that um, and really getting that out there so publicly. Um, and yeah. you have uh, you have a take you wanted to talk about with Bagley that I don't think is terribly uncommon. I think that Rich <laughs> is with you here, um, but I want to give you a chance to get your thoughts out on Bagley's fit in the modern NBA. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I, I've talked about this a lot on Twitter and I've, I've even deleted a lot of my tweets because I was getting so much crap out of him and I was like, I don't want to deal with this. But I, from the moment we were rumored to take him, I have been so incredibly negative about his chances at being anything other than, you know, maybe a competent starter in the NBA. Because to me, it just seems like he doesn't have any specific skill set that he is really good at. I mean, yes, his rebounding numbers look good, but to me, it's all athleticism. I mean, you look at his entire game and it's all based around the fact that he's athletic, um, all based around the fact that he can jump out of the gym, you know, as everybody loves to talk about his quick second jump. Um, so, and I mean, he, he doesn't he doesn't have a great jump shot. He doesn't have really a good post game. Um, he doesn't play defense. Even his defensive rebounding isn't great. So it's, I don't really understand what, the team saw in him or or how you possibly build around him in the future if he doesn't make one of those th- or doesn't become close to a lead at at least one of those things um yes i know he's still extremely young but man his uh his injuries don't really help that either because it doesn't you know it's taken away from his time on the court and everything so um yeah bagley lovers come at me i'm sorry i just don't see it yeah, I mean, the amount of Bagley lovers seem to be going down with each passing day. And yeah, I mean, like the 13 games played, I have, I just have hope that there will be that improvement. And I'm kind of betting on the raw talent and athleticism that you were, that you were pointing out. And, but yeah, I mean, 13 games this year and it, he needs to be on the floor, obviously, to have that improvement. So I guess I'm just betting on those steps happening, mainly like I could see realistically putting on a little bit of muscle learning to box out, being a great rebounder and like a role man as a five. And I think that that could be okay, but the defense obviously is a major worry there. I think that's all I got for you here, Ray. Is there any other thoughts that you want to get out here, man? 
No, I'm good. Just hopefully we'll uh, we'll be back to watching basketball sooner than we all think, because I am missing it. Yeah, I definitely can say the same, and I'm sure most people, if not everyone listening, feel the same way there. And thanks again, Ray, for coming on. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. you hear from us again in the next couple of days.